0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hi everyone. And welcome back to What For? The podcast that asks exactly that. So this week is a bit of a different style. What For was originally called What For because I wanted to take on four-week challenges to see what I found out about the world. After making two episodes, however, I found that an unpaid podcast that takes one and a half months to produce each episode isn't really sustainable. But not before I tried out Ramadan for the first time. And I promised to the many people who were generous enough to speak to me that this episode would be out for Ramadan 2021. So I've dug up all the files to make this episode about what was really an amazing month for me. The first guy I rang was Sahel Zulfikar, my Muslim mate who I used to live with. Hey, mate. Sorry, take this. Long time no speak. What's, what's been going on, man?
2: Damn, it has been a long time.
1: So his reaction to my fasting was simultaneously encouraging and not at all.
2: Are you, are you planning on actually fasting yourself?
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's grand. Are you planning on doing the whole month?
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> After he caught his breath from all the laughter and reassured me that what I was doing wasn't offensive he started telling me about the month itself.
2: Like you'll go into it and you'll find that there's a lot of things about the structure of Ramadan, it's transformative intention that is definitely worth engaging with just those core concepts.
1: One thing that I hadn't got my head round is how varied it could be.
2: It doesn't matter whether um, you're a Senegalese um, Sunni Muslim or an Iranian Shia or whether you're a, a Saudi Arabian Sunni, like the month is there However, there are these wonderful sort of idiosyncrasies to each of these cultures. And, and even within the cultures, like, there are 1.6 billion Muslims in the world. They don't all practice
1: Islam in the same way. It wasn't just between cultures, but between each individual Muslim. Everyone was open to giving me advice, but they all had very different tips and experiences.
2: Please don't, be, please don't see my laughter as... Uh, uh demoralizing because it's most certainly not the case I mean I'm laughing because I'm just like I rate you so hard because you know it's it's tough man it is tough but it's incredibly fulfilling and I think you know you'll you'll find that if you are able to stick it through it's going to cause you to think differently about a lot of things yeah things like work schedules and and sleeping times these aren't trivial things if you want to observe it properly you know you're going to be up at like three three o'clock in the morning to be eating and then going to bed at four and then you've got to wake up at you know whatever it is seven eight nine whatever to go to work and then doing a full day's work and then coming back and there's like all of this stuff to, to consider i'll get like two or three weeks in and like me and my homies over our whatsapp we're like bro Ramadan's killing me this year man. <laughs> like it is tough you know it is a spiritual practice that's designed fundamentally to cause you to learn restraint and that's not easy in a in a culture that celebrates constant gratification and I think from the outside a lot of non-muslims are sort of look at the month and like what you you know 30 days you don't eat and drink between dawn and dusk and That's something that you you guys celebrate, like, you not must be off your rocker. But what people don't get is just, just like, the sense of community, the the sense of reflection that it allows in a busy working year. It's special.
1: So, after getting an idea of just how little I knew, I figured I'd ask my non-Muslim flatmates if they were as ignorant.
0: Seriously, my knowledge of Ramadan is based entirely off of TV, and most of that's just been invented by my head. What have you
1: learned from TV? Or from, I don't know, RE class or whatever?
0: They stepped to Catholicism, (laughs) Um, fasting for 30 30 or for one month during the day, and then celebrating the evening. To praise God. (laughs) It's open for interpretation. (laughs) Hang on. I'm not sure... I mean, there is. I mean, what, there are certain criteria. <laughs> I think they. I, think. I couldn't do it. I think the fact that you take water away as well, you're taking away like the most basic needs of human being, and I think it's like a uh, teaching you to be thankful, kind of forcing you to be thankful, because mm. we walk around and say like, oh yeah, I'm very thankful for my friends, I'm thankful for this flower or you guys, but like you take it for granted at the same time. Whereas I think if you do, if you're doing Ramadan, it's like well. You you start taking shit like that for granted. makes Christmas seem even more greedy, doesn't it? I know, doesn't it? It's the polar opposite of Christmas. So, should (laughs) we play FIFA? Yeah, let's play
1: FIFA. I had to leave after just one game of FIFA, so I could get some sleep for the fast. It is night one of Ramadan. I'm getting into bed. It is 10.45. Just to try and be able to get up for that. Five o'clock rise. can't tell if I'm more nervous for the podcast or the experience of fasting. I just really want to do it right. While it seemed that there was no right or wrong way to Ramadan, I figured I may as well set myself some basic rules. The times changed according to the lunar cycle, as each day of fasting got progressively longer by one or two minutes, but I had to be up and ready to pray at around 5am. Despite getting it wrong on my first day, I'd eventually realised that that is when the fast begins, not sunrise. So if I wanted to eat my morning meal gently, I needed to be up about an hour before. Then just like any other time of the year, I had to work throughout the day, stopping to pray or, or meditate for me around 2pm 5pm, and then 8pm, which was iftar, which was when I was able to eat again, and then once more before bed, around 10pm. And so, the adventure began. Despite my early bedtime, however, my body still managed to mess up my plans. I've woken up after two hours sleep because I know that I have and so my body is
3: like make sure you don't, you don't sleep too much which is very helpful
1: but i was up at 5am for sahur the last meal i could eat before the fast began it is 5 long I'd got over my initial sleepiness and I was pretty giddy. Lots of people had recommended having an egg so I was like sweet I'll have an egg. Started frying it and then I was like damn it you're not supposed to fry the egg because the oil makes you thirstier. So I stuck my fried egg into a tupperware and then I was like but I need more protein so I started making beans and I was like, yeah, great. And then while I was eating the beans, I was like, whoa, this tastes real salty. (laughs) And I remembered that beans have salt and salt dehydrates you. So I stopped eating the beans, put it in the Tupperware with the fried egg. It's gonna be delicious later. And then just as it was about to turn, (laughs) 6.55, I picked up my water jug and um, just drank from the jug (laughs) like like so much. I don't know if that was a good thing or not.
0: (laughs) Oh, God.
1: downloaded an app that told me where Mecca was and I did my best interpretation of what I thought was praying. Here's me entering my 12th hour of the first day of fasting. So I woke up at uh, five o'clock, did my prayer, got confused. So I thought fast didn't begin until sunrise, but fast begins with the prayer. Regardless from 6.58, which 6.58, which was uh, sunrise until now I haven't had anything to drink uh, or eat it's probably showing in, the, in my presenting skills and I've been working away trying to, trying to stay uh, busy occupied um, and it's an interesting test between trusting what you need and what your body's telling you you need but not caving into what you want I'm a bit weak now, I think. Um, My flatmate uh, said I was was looking a bit pale. Um, and I think I'm going to stop talking. As Sahail, my old flatmate, had said, there were so many different versions of Ramadan, so I figured I'd have to speak to people from different parts of the world. First, I rang Noor.
4: I was really surprised when you told me you were going to do this. And then I'm like, oh, so now you're becoming Muslim and you're calling
5: me to advise you how to become a good Muslim. (laughs) 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 And I'm
2: like, oh, why do you think the wrong
5: person?
1: (laughs) Okay, so Noor isn't Muslim anymore. But she grew up in a Muslim family in Syria, so I figured she could give me some insight. But did you feel like Ramadan gave you something? I really like the atmosphere. Everyone is gathering and my mom making a lot of nice food every day. So her main focus was the delicious food every day. That seemed kind of counterintuitive for a festival that's supposed to be about fasting. She also told me about Ramadan TV shows that they produce each year, but I couldn't find any that were in English. Nor's Ramadan was starting to sound a lot more like the indulgence of Christmas that I was used to. We wanted to show my mom that we're fasting and we're doing this with
4: her. We were so thirsty. We thought, like, we're going to drink water, but we didn't want my mom to know. So, like, we were, like, hiding behind the curtain and just, like, drinking water and assumed that God will not see us because we're behind the
5: curtain.
1: (laughs) Okay, so maybe Noah wasn't the best person to speak to about a committed Ramadan fast. But she put me in touch with a friend of hers, Fira who was quite a lot more serious about it.
3: So I can introduce myself. Basically, uh, my name is uh, Fira Sidki. I'm a, a medical doctor and uh, a person who is in love with intermittent fasting.
1: <laughs> Fira had a lot to say about intermittent fasting, but here's the quick run-through of the benefits, from the social to the scientific.
3: Intermittent fasting is uh, so beneficial in every level in the human body.
1: Before we got to the scientific ones, He wanted to talk about the social and psychological
3: benefits. Three friends, actually, who tried to do fasting with me. Some of them told me, like, just before they eat, they stop and realise that, whoa, I've been hungry all day, but now I'm I'm blessed to have this meal in front of me. Some people don't. So that kind of, like, widens their vision or understanding of uh, people who are in crisis, you know. Then there was self-control and discipline. When your body is hungry or thirsty, you stop and tell, no, nobody, I'm not going to be listening to you. You're going to be listening to me. I'm in control, not you. He explained that Ramadan offers us the opportunity to train ourselves each year to remain
1: calm and in control in stressful situations, whether that's a breakup or a work issue or a fight with a friend or the loss of a loved one.
3: So the third aspect that I would like to, like, touch is the medical aspect. Uh... How can I side? It's such a big one. Uh, let me think how I'm going to side the best way.
1: Theory explained that fasting doesn't just stress your mind out. In fact, you create a mild stress at a cellular level. And that stress, while it's not causing any damage, is actually good for you. It encourages your cells to sharpen up their act.
3: Think of it as your cell is being like a castle. And in the medieval times when the castle is surrounded by another army, the people inside reinforce the castle. What happens in the cell perspective is that when you have in a period of fasting, this mild stress uh, triggers the cells of our body in various organs uh, such as the brain, for example, to reinforce itself it's one castle and another castle, there is a bridge between them when you are eating glucose. It's working fast, but this bridge has some holes. So people are falling between two castles, right? And people who are sending messages between one castle to another castle. When you are in fasting, this bridge has lower activity actually, but the cells fix these bridges and make them more strong. So actually, even though you have less signal going from one cell to another, you have a better uh, signal. So do you get that?
1: If you're not receiving your usual amounts of glucose or sugar, your synapses between your neurons, the bridges between your castles, need to be more efficient. The body reinforces them and this actually leads to a better functioning brain.
3: People tell you when I'm fasting I have such a clear mind and that is actually backed up by scientific research. Mice that were put on an intermittent fasting had a higher neurogenesis in their brain. Neurogenesis is the process of your brain creating new neurons inside the brain, right? The synapses becomes reinforced, Mm. right? The protein connections between one neuron and another becomes reinforced. But that's not all. Intermittent fasting helps your body to lower your inflammation, something that can give you diabetes, Alzheimer's, autoimmune diseases. It was good for chemo-resistant cancers. They combined intermittent fasting plus chemotherapy. They got a much better response to a cancer that before was not even responding to the therapy. It cleaned the intestines. When a person is not eating for these hours, uh, you give a chance to your intestine to clean itself and to rearrange itself. So a person will have better digestion and also have a lower risk of having diseases in the future as well.
1: The list of medical benefits goes on and on, and we'll get to the spiritual ones a bit later in the podcast. But I had a question for Fira. As a coincidence, a letter had arrived in the post that day asking me to donate blood. While I'm not certain on the old God question, this did feel like a message. I I felt like Ramadan is about giving, and if if I give my blood...
3: That sounds like a good thing. It is a good thing. What's important for when you give blood, usually they give you water to drink, they give you chocolate, they give you a juice because they're taking from you 300 to 500 uh, milliliter of blood. In the very acute phase, when they're taking this blood from you, you might feel dizzy after. That's why they give you this juice, you know? Keep fasting, but if you stood up and you felt like whoa, you know, this whoa thing, then then do do drink that juice because probably you you need that fluid. They give like you juice and they give you a coupon telling you thank you and maybe a keychain. Take all that stuff. <laughs> take all that stuff and just put it in the bag. And the moment you feel that you need it, uh, you really feel that you need it, then do it. Your body will tell you. Your body will okay. tell you. Trust your body and your body will tell you.
1: So I set off with Vera's advice in mind, and on my walk to the blood test, I got pretty emotional. You see, not only was it the second day of Ramadan, it was also the 36th day of lockdown in Spain. We weren't even allowed out to exercise here, so going out was a really unusual experience. I recorded this while I was out there. The only people out are dog walkers and then homeless people. Fasting is supposed to show you what it's like being hungry. In quarantine, well, we moan about it, but we're, like, so privileged to have food and to have home to so a crying man in the street. Because he, he doesn't have a home. He doesn't have any food. And, um, oh, man, we really need to help people. Quarantine and Ramadan level the playing field in the same way. While people might experience them differently, being hungry or being locked in affects us all as humans. This wasn't some bloke telling you how to feel from his altar. The mixture of fasting and reflecting is an ingenious way of teaching empathy through experience instead of scripture. In just a day, I was connecting with people I previously might have given a year or two and then forgotten about. So this is the lovely Silvia. Who was taking my blood and telling me to make sure that i hydrate well over the next few days in the end i was fine so i am now in the metro home as you can tell by the horrible racket in the background um and there is no one feeling a bit dizzy but i think i'm gonna arrive at home just fine and if i faint at home i'm kind of okay with that i got home and had a proper snooze so I suppose you could say that was passing out. And it turns out it wasn't so difficult when I put my mind to it. I'd have a sort of hangover from this for a few days to come, but in the end, my body sorted itself out. What was messing me up was the new routine. Bedtimes, prayer times, food times. I was going around in circles. Should I wake up early to eat or skip meals to sleep? Should I eat big dinners to get more energy even though my stomach has shrunk? Or should I eat lightly so I can sleep well? How long should I pray for? Why am I even praying? I rang Heba Shaheed, a Muslim physiotherapist and health coach in Australia. I was hoping her answers would calm me down a little. How how much time do you pass within each of of your daily prayers?
4: It's very variable again. Prayer itself, uh, it's all about Letting go of the physical world. We believe, and and many people, even non Muslims, believe that we are spiritual beings inhabiting a physical body. Mm. And this world that we're in is the physical world, but it's not the real world. So, what prayer is, is that you're letting go of everything to do with the physical world, even though you are still in your physical body, right? Mm. The first thing we do is we raise our hands and we throw it back, and then we put our hands over our heart, right? Throw all everything, all your thoughts about this world, the material things and everything, right? You're connecting Mm. inwards to your soul, and the soul or the spirit is connected to the spiritual world. It's connected to God.
1: So that meant that there are two types of prayers. There's the physical body-led prayer.
4: I'm just going to pray, do the actions, do the acts, uh, and then I can ticker off my calendar that i prayed. Action-oriented prayer.
1: That's not the ideal prayer. Instead, you want to be aiming for a soul-led prayer.
4: The prayer where you feel like you're so connected to God, you're so connected to your soul, you're not in this world, you're not in the body part, you're in the soul part. It's not about ticking boxes. It's about, I'm here, I'm connecting to God, I, I feel connected, I'm grateful, I'm compassionate, I am conscious of Allah. I'm conscious that he's watching over me. I'm conscious that my heart is in line with him. When you're in a spiritual state, you're not even thinking about the length of time. There's no time when it comes to spirituality. But you might recite you know a hundred verses which might take you you know 20 minutes or you might rec- recite four verses which will take you 20 seconds. So it's not about the length of time that you're in prayer, it's about how connected you are.
1: What I'd wanted was simple instructions like do five minutes here and two minutes there. But once again, people were insisting that I should know what's right to do. This challenge was revealing that what I had to tune into went beyond simple steps. It was also really fascinating to think of prayer as a way of accessing that flow state where time becomes irrelevant. I figured it also happens when you get into the zone with other things, running, painting, writing, cooking something delicious. To think of those moments as moments of connection with the spirit world or with Allah, with a fundamental reality, really clicked with me. Anyway, if Habba couldn't tell me about prayer, I figured as a health coach, she might be able to give me some pointers with regard to food.
4: Even though Ramadan's about nourishment of the soul, you do also need to nourish your body, right? But it has to be actually nourishment, not like just food for the sake of food. Food needs to be given to a person based on their body type, their mind type, um, their metabolism, their digestion, all of that sort of stuff. You need to understand your body type right? And by knowing your body type, you'll know what will fit well with you for Sathur and what will sit well with you for iftar. So like for me, I need to have light food. I need to have just vegetables. Cooked vegetables is better because raw is harder to digest.
1: With the Ramadan personal reflection thing is that the answer to that question is so often what your body tells you. <laughs> like, like, mm, like, it
4: depends. <laughs> yeah,
1: my, my body's going to tell me better than you'll be able to tell me. That's
4: right. <laughs> That's charge. right. If we're intuitive enough and we're tuned in enough which is interestingly the aim of Ramadan that (laughs) you tune in and listen to your body uh well what's your soul and your mind and your heart and your body telling you you'll be able to know that like you know because Ramadan's interesting because you haven't eaten all day so you've taken everything away you've taken away your own thoughts and feelings about it and then you eat and notice oh yes I feel good when I eat this or, or no I feel like crap
1: when you say that my my buddies were uh st- stretched out their hand to me and, and offered me a cookie and i was just and, and i was like oh, i i don't think so no i don't want it and they were like man you've changed man <laughs> like I, uh... <laughs> I was learning bit by bit i tried not to get too obsessed with food but it's hard not to be when you're not eating and things were improving I'm feeling, feeling more confident about listening to my body I think that comes with a few days of knowing your hunger and it's fear of the unknown, isn't it? So now I know it a little bit better. Everyone said that the first week was going to be the hardest, but while the adjustments were difficult at first, my mood was great. It actually given me something to focus my mind on in quarantine, but... Then I remembered what I was missing. This week, it was my second year anniversary with my partner. I haven't been able to see them for 46 days and I really miss them. I posted about nostalgia yesterday, that feeling you get when you think about things that have happened before that you might never see again. I know I'm missing Sophia running, dancing, and I'm missing humans. (laughs) They're just great. The cool thing about this time is that you realise what's really important to you. Just like fasting, when you don't have it, you can realise how important it is. I ploughed on and began to feel some of those benefits that Fira and Heber had talked about. I felt sharper, lighter on my feet and more in control. I found that by deciding that I wasn't going to allow my hunger to lead me to be upset, I was able to use it as a reminder to try and be nicer instead i suppose it was a sort of consciousness whatever it was it was definitely doing me good here's me whispering again i've been thinking a lot about doing your best to be good behave be your best self it's not easy all the time but it is easier than usual because you made it. all these big feelings, I was desperate to connect with people who would get what I was talking about. I called Muslims around the world and asked them their favourite memories. Noor had told me about those Syrian TV series and watching them with the family. I'd had Spanish interviews with Meriam in Morocco who talked about watching her kids grow up each Ramadan. There was Muna, a nurse in Spain whose favourite memories were the trips she took to Morocco as a child, finally being in a Muslim country where all the kids rushed home together for iftar. Then there was Benazir, a radio presenter in Malaysia, where my parents live, who told me how Ramadan brought his mind back to his grandma and his family.
5: For me, it's more of thinking of the better times. You can't help but think that Ramadan will be a time to reminisce. And when you think of hardships of other people, you go back to those blessings that you had. And the blessings that I had was, uh, perhaps the first 21 years of my life was having um, good relationships with my parents and also my sisters. And I miss that. I miss sitting around in the table and you can't help but think of those uh, wonderful times. You try to share good moments with your friends and family and think of good times.
1: (laughs) Heber also talked about that lost connection with family.
4: It was also at that time when I was quite close to my siblings and we were all kind of aligned spiritually at that time. Whereas now, like, we kind of all have gone our separate ways in terms of spirituality and having your spirits aligned with those that you love. Helps a lot as well.
1: And Fira told me about how his mom used to cook an extra meal. In fact, lots of people told me this.
3: People want to share. Like, so when people are, they, they maybe the mom is cooking at home, you know, making a, a meal to her family. But then instead of making, for example, two cups of rice, she makes like four cups of rice and give half of their the food that they, that she cooked go into the mosque so people can eat and enjoy it because she wants to share. She wants to do good in this month of goodness.
1: And then there was AJ, the Malaysian MMA fighter, who told me about how fun Ramadan was.
6: When I was a kid, Ramadan always fun. It's like a celebration, you know. When I was a kid, it's always, I'm excited. You know? <laughs> because we got new clothes, the parents buy me new shoes, I got money, a lot of cookies, food.
1: <laughs> I didn't have any of those memories to fall back on. But right now with COVID, everyone was going through a rough time.
6: My only income is my gym, you know. I have my student, my my members. But right now, almost uh, almost two months, my gym closed. I don't have any income. I cannot do my business. I still have to pay the rent, the gym, and then up to my house. We are struggling, you know.
1: Was he being miserable at home? No, he was simultaneously training for MMA fights while feeding stray
6: cats. First week of the lockdown, I know the cats, they were starving, they were skinny, you know, like, it was hard. So I keep doing it, you know, like every day. It's just the spirit, you know, this Ramadan. The more I trouble, the more I give, you know, like, but I'm happy. I'm so happy, you know, when I see the animal, when I feed them, it's a satisfaction for me. I'm so happy to see them. It's like therapy for me. And Fira couldn't see his parents
1: at all, regardless of lockdowns or Ramadans. He wasn't complaining. His solitude brought him closer to God.
3: Sadly, I'm not with my family and so on, but even though I'm doing it completely mm. alone most of the time, somehow, because I'm alone, I start to reach more to the spiritual mm. aspect of Ramadan, while maybe in the Middle East, there's Ramadan, you're with your family, but when you're mm. alone, it's more simpler, Like and simplicity also gives you more time to think and touch, reconnect to your inner spirit, let's say, and God, of course. For the first
1: few days, I was so excited to be starting. The interviews I had inspired me, and a few of the interviewees even started sending me texts at 4 o'clock in the morning to check in with me. My partner, too, woke up each day of the first week to wish me luck. But there's only so much you can text a bloke in Pakistan who you've never met, or allow your partner to get up at 4am for no reason. I chose this. Doing this alone is hard not having many friends who are doing it and not living with anyone who are doing it and having different schedule and timing it's it's starting to bother me but i'm sure i'm just trying to rationalize feeling a bit grim and low because of the lack of blood sugar usually i try and be a bit brighter and more fun but i wanted to to share that today i've got like like not a fever but i'm sure it's all just in my head i'm sure i'm just overthinking it so i haven't Eaten in 12 hours, more or less. I all had any water. After a positive start, it had been steadily going downhill. The initial excitement had gone. The 4am texts had stopped. I kept praying five times a day, but my heart was not in it. I felt really lonely. Everyone said to keep yourself busy, but how are you supposed to do that in a quarantine? Day 19. Really feeling ground down. I can't see my girlfriend. I really miss her. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying not to have angry thoughts. I'm trying to be generous. I'm trying to give. But it's really hard. Yeah, I'm feeling really alone. Really alone right now. I was ready to throw in the towel. I'm tired of waking up at 4 a.m. every day by myself. I'm tired of having a headache. Oh. I'm tired of not believing in Allah. Why am I doing this? But then I spoke to Zainab, who works with the Muslim Council of Great Britain and volunteers at her local mosque.
5: I am at my parents' house in London, observing the most bizarre Ramadan I've ever had in my life.
1: And while I romanticised everyone else's Ramadan, she told me how things had changed for her
5: we serve iftar to about a thousand people every night. So for me Ramadan is very rushed, it's falling asleep on the tube to work, doing a full day at work, rushing back home, going to the mosque, helping serve food at the mosque, tidying up the mosque, washing up the dishes and then eating myself and then the day starts all over again. So this is the most calm and relaxed Ramadan I've ever had in my life and I'm really really enjoying it.
1: So Zainab seemed like another Ramadan saint, and I was prepared to feel guilty about how I wasn't doing enough. But when I asked her about prayers, I still hadn't worked out how to do mine. She made it all seem more human.
5: I'm reminded of um, my little cousins, and they decided to say their prayers out loud. And one of my cousins, who was six, said, I just really want a bike. And my cousin, (laughs) who was seven, said, I just want school to start and I've always really loved this idea that you can just ask God for everything and you know that's what God asks you to do. He says, ask me and I'll answer you.
1: The idea of these kids resonated with me. I'd spent this entire time thinking I had to be looking after stray cats and orphans. I got so obsessed with doing it right. This was my first Ramadan and my first lockdown. In this context, I was a kid. I'd been speaking to all these adults who'd been raised with Ramadan and it was all well and good trying to connect with my deepest spirit. But this was my first rodeo. It wasn't ridiculous to think about me. You're allowed to ask for things. Zainab had another tip she learned as a kid. That was exactly what I needed to hear.
5: We were told when it comes to praying and it comes to asking for things, take out your hand, look at your hand. You start with your thumb. Your thumb is closest to you when you hold your hand out. And so you start off by praying for all of those who are close to you. Be they your friends, your family, your loved ones, whoever. It's the people that are close to you. Then you take your index finger. Those are all the people that have pointed you in the right direction. Be they Mm. people who have given you advice. Be they your teachers. Be they, you know, your elders. It's the people who point you in the direction that you should be going in. And you take your middle finger, it's the, the biggest one, the tallest one, you think about all of the 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 big figures in uh, in Islam, you pray for your leaders, you pray for your imams, all the people that guide you spiritually and the individuals in the world who you really revere. Mm. Then you take your your ring finger, when you move it, all the other ones move themselves. It does, it can't stand up by itself. So you think about all the people who are struggling or the poor people or the sick people all the people who are vulnerable and needy and need support and you pray for them. Then you come to your little finger, the last one, the smallest one, and that's, that's yourself. You pray for yourself last, but that doesn't mean that you forget about yourself because all the other lots of people are more important. And I've always really loved that. I've always really loved the structure that it gives me it helps me to remember who I want to pray for what I want to pray for and you know you say that you know you don't want anything when you when you initially think about praying for stuff but you do you want all of the best things for the people that you love when you sit down and you think about it okay you may not want a bike or for school to start but there are still things (laughs) that you want in your life be that just make me a better person or just I'm really struggling with work at the moment and I wish I wasn't.
1: People had told me in so many ways that I needed to be gentle with myself and not expect too much. But it was this that finally made things click. I just needed to be spoken to as though I was a child. Things were looking up. And then lockdown in Spain was lifted. I still couldn't see my partner as we had to be careful with her family, but I could go to my favourite kebab shop. Hey guys, so I am um, walking down to Musta Shawarma in uh, my neighborhood in Barcelona. We've just come out of uh, lockdown and I cannot explain how important this place is to me and my flatmates. We probably eat there three times a week. It's not any old kebab shop. Musta is a legend. There's newspaper articles written about that guy. He always welcomes you in with a salam aleikum and... He holds a special place in my heart. Yesterday for the first time we went out and we rang him uh, to see if he was open and I actually couldn't hear his reply for the cheering of uh, Bill and Max, my flatmates. So so it means a lot. We went in and I asked if they were doing Ramadan and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, how are you praying? And so the guy was like, oh, oh you're doing Ramadan too. Oh, like tomorrow's a real important day. Like you need to pray tomorrow because your prayers are going to be thousands of times more valuable tomorrow because it's a special day in Ramadan and I was like I don't really know how to pray up till now I've obviously been doing my meditations and he said well I'll teach you and I mean you guys have heard me I've, I've been missing community that, that little moment meant a lot I'm really excited to spend some time in the flesh with someone else who's been on this journey for the last month someone who knows more than me and can at least take some steps to showing me how to do this. Ah,
0: Ah,
1: Oh, yeah, we speak Spanish to each other, so you'll have to go on your own journey to find this stuff out. If you're not in lockdown, you may be able to ask a Muslim friend or someone from your local mosque to help you out. But while mosques were still closed in Spain... Mohammed was happy to show me the ropes in the tiny kitchen at the back of the kebab shop. He showed me how to wash myself before prayers, an obligatory purifying process called wudu. You clean in a specific order. There's some technique to this, but it goes mouth, nose, face, right arm, left arm, hair, ears, right foot and left foot. You go to the loo, fart, fall asleep, and you've got to do it all again. Yes Then we prayed together. He led me through the Arabic words I'd found myself tripping up on when I tried to copy it on YouTube. And we used collapsed cardboard delivery boxes as prayer mats, barely fitting two by side so the two of us could face Mecca.) <laughs> Mohammed's generosity really did make it feel like my prayers were worth a thousand times more that day. And then on the walk home, I saw temptation. Kind of like Krispy Kreme glazed and in the shape of a man. Like a, like a Krispy Kreme man with, with like white or milk chocolate on the top. A little, little face drawn on and there was coffee just sort of wafting gently out the door that smell and now we're getting closer to be able to do it oh my god that is that is where I'm going I'm going there and I'm going to eat one of them pastries I'm going to have a coffee oh it's going to be so good it's going to be so good oh I got back revitalised by my food fantasy and prayers with Mohammed. And then I remembered something that had happened on one of the moodier days after my flatmates had broken quarantine by sneaking to the park and having a few beers by themselves. They came back pretty drunk and, and Billy, one of them, had to explain to the other, Max, what had happened.
0: After we broke quarantine that day... We came back and we were all like, yeah, we missed Harry. Because we like, had a day out. Oh, yeah. And then we, yeah, we sat down and ate like, dinner with him. And he was being all like proper and like fasty, you know, doing his Ramadan sort of face. And like really taking his time <laughs> over his food. And then at one point we were like, yeah, but one, one, one of these days we'll do it with you. We'll have, uh, we'll fast with you. And he was like, really? And was like, you, we were like, yeah, man. <laughs> and then like a week later he reminded us about it.
1: As Billy says, they'd signed up and I wasn't going to let them forget it. I was so excited to share just one day of Ramadan with the two of them. Max? How are you doing? Yeah, yeah it's 4am. That's fine. Cool. Um, Would you like a cup of tea? Um... So this is my first cup of tea in the morning because usually I can't have one because the boys are asleep. And it makes too much noise. Right, now i are got to make him breakfast. You guys want porridge, right? After almost making it through the entire month, I felt like the expert that I'd hoped I'd had at the beginning.
0: Avocado fat is good for energy during the day. Okay, this is good. Let's get this fucking lab, I don't stand a bloody chance, man. You gonna give me of lemon juice?
1: But the boys immediately took to the rules, or at least they took to policing each other, while also working out how best they could bend them.
0: Oh, you piece of shit. No swearing. Oh, god's going I swear? Right now, yeah, am going to yep. pass on the
6: side. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this avocado,
0: man. Fuck this plate. Fuck this lemon. <laughs> Fuck your water. Fuck yeah, my water. i mean, I'm best not to, though
1: and the bickering was already well underway before the fast had even started. That'd be mine then. Man, I
0: forgot how much of a piece of shit you are.
1: So we start praying in 10 minutes and then we pray for 10 minutes and then we go back to bed. I am just pray now. Mm Mm-hmm. You also want to be sitting horizontal so the water goes down. I'm getting really bored of these rules. They're not rules, that's not a rule, it's just good advice. Uh, it feels like rules.
0: What if I've got a rare disease that it turns out I have to eat? <laughs>
1: you don't. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're facing the wrong way. Diseased? Yeah, you've got to face
0: it that way. Okay, oh, hey, look at that. It's got my and go
1: we were all working that day so I tried not to annoy the guys too much but I checked in at midday to see how they were doing
0: my concentration is low is, is worse today in, in the morning it was good and in, in the afternoon it's not been what it should be yeah um, which is annoying yeah and I, was, it was, I found it quite, quite hard then while meditating not to just feel guilty about not doing as much work as I wanted to do what about you Bill? What's
1: what are you feeling about how has the rest of your day gone? yeah fine and that was the dynamic of the entire day. Max doing his best to engage with the idea, and Bill, steely-gazed, slamming doors, grunting and sighing, might suggest that he wasn't that fine. But we made it to the end of the day, together.
0: I'm definitely feeling the hunger, but it's an excited hunger. Are
1: you ready for that communal iftar feeling when we break fast together?
0: I, I tell you what, I'm excited for you. This is the person one where... It's like, hey, we're we'll through the same thing. Uh, how
1: are your heads? How's your, how like in terms of like feeling strength?
0: It's been alright. I sometimes get like a tension in my in my forehead. Anyway, and that came back.
1: Is that more just rage?
0: It's just pure rage.
1: Any? Oh, li- you were recorded. Yeah, I, I said I was.
0: Um, anyway, I didn't anyway. sign anything. <laughs> D- drive fast, eat ass.
1: Any final comments, for...
0: I believe I speak for both of us.
1: (laughs) So their Ramadan may not have been the spiritual awakening I had hoped for. But that day with the boys, my prayers with Muhammad, and conversations with new people pushed me on through the final stretch. My final concern was how I was supposed to celebrate the final day of Eid. I felt pretty bummed out that mosques were closed and I wouldn't witness the celebrations I'd heard so much about. Once again, Zainab came to the rescue.
5: I think of other families and the focus on Eid prayers in particular. And I've never seen my dad go for Eid prayers, I don't think, because he's he has to go to work and stuff. So for, for me, like, Eid is not really a thing. But I remember 12 or 13 years ago, we moved house and my grandfather, who was quite old at the time, who was in his late 80s. He moved in with us and he was in the advanced stages of dementia. But I remember it was the day of Eid, my dad was at work but my mum was at home and it was like the first time we were having like an Eid breakfast with, with my mum and she was really excited and she goes, OK, well, what what do you want me to make you for breakfast? And we insisted on having uh, crepes. So we sat down at the breakfast table um, with my grandfather and we ate crepes with ice cream and my grandfather couldn't really see very well, just sort of noticed the slight like yellow colouring of the crepe thought it was an omelette so oh this is story, story is so stupid but this is my only <laughs> story so he was sat there putting salt and pepper on his crepe watching me and my sister eat thinking it was an omelette and he ate it with some toast and he was watching me and my sister eat what he thought was an omelette with chocolate ice cream and I remember he was just, he was just couldn't understand us. And he had this just look of utter despair on his face. And he was convinced he was right, eating a crepe with, uh, with salt <laughs> and pepper and some toast. And that, that is, that's genuinely my Ramadan and my Eid story. And it's the only one me and my sister talk about. And every single year, my sister and I on Eid, whether we're together, whether we're not, whether we're working or whatever, we always make sure we eat crepes and think about that time. And that's it for me, really.
1: I love that story. In fact, many of the Eid meals I'd heard weren't grand Arabic feasts or religious festivals. There was the sushi my friend in Dubai told me about. Her family ate it every year because that's what her mum's family did. Or there was the Thai food that Fira cooked for himself because, well he likes Thai food so Ramadan came to an end I started excitedly got pretty low and by the end of it felt proud of myself I'd connected to the voices in my head, I'd learnt to listen to my body a bit more I'd learnt about Islam and now all I wanted was a pastry with my partner so we're outside the La casa portuguesa, um, Portuguese...
0: A casa portuguesa.
1: Sorry, I've I've been notified that I'm saying that wrong, but um, I'm about to order a Portuguese tart and a black coffee and it is 9 a.m. I am so excited. I I can see the little pastries through the little glass box and I don't really know what to do with myself. We just left. I'm going to make this short because we need to get back and eat this stuff. Um, but I'm feeling very emotional I'm feeling very excited there's there's nothing really profound to say I'm just going to go eat some pastry and then my flatmates and my partner cooked me dinner I didn't record the cooking because well, I was too excited but here's my final note I want this recorded I want chicken wings chips carpaccio with parmesan and salad And a little bit of avocado. Every year from now. Um, And dinner with Sophie. Yeah. (laughs) Sophie's my partner. And if Ramadan taught me anything, it was how grateful I am for the people around me. Thanks for listening, guys. That was my Ramadan experience. And as I say... Ramadan's different for everyone, um, but if you're thinking about doing it, i definitely recommend it. It's not always fun, but you learn a lot. Ramadan has come round again, and I just want to wish anyone who's embarking on it, Muslim or not, Ramadan Mubarak. You'll do great. I'm wishing you all the luck in the world. I'm not sure I'm going to do the whole month this year, but I'll definitely be spending a few days fasting with you. There are so many people to thank for this episode. From Mohamed, who showed me how to pray at Musta's Kebab Shop in Gracia. If you're ever in Barcelona, go there. They're the best kebabs in town. To Bill and Max, my flatmates, who put up with my foul moods. To my partner, who continues to put up with my foul moods. To Sahel, for your laughter and encouragement. To Muna, to Miriam, to Zainab, to Fira. To Heba in Australia for... All her advice both spiritually and physically and to anyone else who i might not have mentioned but still played a part in my peculiar experience of ramadan next week you'll be hearing the second part of my interview with musa akwanga if you haven't listened to the first one go back and listen to it he's got such wonderful stories such wonderful ideas and better than all of that is his voice and his love so go give it a listen Thanks once more for listening to the What For podcast, the podcast that asks exactly that. Stay safe, stay well, and look after each other. Ramadan Mubarak.